Well, good morning. It is so good to see you here this weekend. Thanks for being with us at Northridge Church. And you might not know this if you're a guest in particular, that we are one church in four locations. And many of you might not know. In fact, those of you at Northridge Brighton might not know. This is a live stream. So we are connected as two campuses right now going through this weekend service together. And I have to tell you, I've been having a blast with this survival guide for the zombie apocalypse deal. And I, I, a long time ago when I finally came to grips with the power of the metaphor from that fictional world of the zombie apocalypse, and yes, I do know it's fictional, but when I understood the power of the metaphor to our spiritual lives in their reality, it was exciting to think about putting this together. But I knew as soon as we announced a series called Survival Guide for the Zombie Apocalypse, some of you would gag, some of you would roll your eyes and do all this stuff. But what's been fun is having so many people come back in the last couple of weeks we've been in the series and say, I, I wasn't all in for this, but this thing's impacting my life. I was rolling my eyes before, but now it's engaging me in big ways. And I'm very excited about that and hope that this weekend will make an impact on all of you wherever you're hearing this talk. But if you've ever watched the whole zombie genre, any kind of zombie storytelling then you know that if you're going to survive a zombie apocalypse, you've got to be in shape. That's all there is to it. You've got to be fit. In fact, there's this the, uh, kind of a comedic zombie movie called Zombieland, and one of the rules was, in fact, I think it was rule number one, cardio, 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 right? And the, the, the movie starts out with the guy running around in a parking lot with zombies chasing him, and cardio's the rule, and then, and then he, he basically said, and this isn't me, this is a movie, so you'll have to forgive me, but it says, this is why no heavy people exist after the zombie apocalypse, because they can't outrun the zombies. And so if you're going to survive a zombie apocalypse, you have to be fit. You have to be in shape. Otherwise, you're going to get run down, overcome, and literally eaten alive. But here's what many people don't understand. The same is true spiritually. It's true that the zombie apocalypse is fictional. I mean, it really has no relevance to our lives, to our reality at all. But, but the metaphor is extremely real for us in our spiritual lives. If we are going to survive spiritually in this world, which is defined so much by difficulty and so much by darkness and so much by evil, quite frankly, we have to be in spiritual shape. And many people don't understand this. And Paul the Apostle told us, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. He says, do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, if I could just carry it to our metaphor just for a minute. He's basically saying, you know, in a zombie apocalypse, everybody's running, but only one avoids getting eaten. You know that? I mean, so run not to get bit. Run not to get eaten. And then he goes on, everyone who competes in the games, he's talking about the Olympic games, high-quality athletics. The Olympics were started back then. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. If you're going to compete as an athlete physically, you have to go into strict training. And he says, they compete in the Olympics, go into strict training to get a crown that won't last. It's temporary reward, temporary fame, but... We do it 
We go on to strict training. We run really, really hard in our spiritual lives, not to get a temporary crown, but to get a crown that will last forever. So the Apostle Paul, who became a great man of God, said, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body. I discipline it and make it my slave so that after I've proclaimed truth and love to others, I myself won't be run down, overcome, and eaten alive. Won't be disqualified. I, I have to tell you this sad reality. Most don't survive spiritually. Most don't. Jesus made it very clear that many are called, the multitudes are called. He wants the multitude to experience his best and his promises in their lives. But, but he says, but few are chosen because few make it. Most go down to defeat spiritually. And I, I, I'm really speaking from experience here. And I, I don't say this with anything but the most amount of concern for people. For four decades, I've been a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to tell you the majority of people that I've seen come to the place where they finally put faith in Jesus and experience his forgiveness and get on this spiritual journey, the majority of them don't survive. They get excited for a while, they run for a while, and then they get run down, overcome, and eaten alive. They get bit, and they fall to defeat. The majority, which scares me to death for you. I, I had the privilege of studying for ministry after coming to faith in Christ and uh, knowing a bunch of people who were devoting their lives to go into ministry. And I've known a ton of people in ministry. I, I'm now three decades a senior pastor. And, and I'm going to tell you, the majority of people that I studied with didn't make it. They fell to defeat ultimately. The majority of people I've been in ministry with down through the years, I mean very, very good friends, have fallen away and didn't make it. And I'm going to tell you what I've learned is the reason. So that maybe we can not go with the majority, but go with the minority. The reason that so many don't survive and so many fall to defeat is because they're not in spiritual shape. I mean, this is just a fact. They're, they're not fit spiritually everyone who's ever come to faith in Jesus has a desire to know Jesus and a desire to know his promises and a desire to live for him everyone that I've ever known who's decided that I want to go into ministry and, and sacrifice anything else I could do vocationally to go into ministry all the people that I was talking about who fell to defeat all of them desired profoundly to know Jesus and to live for Jesus but they weren't healthy enough, they weren't fit enough spiritually to survive and they fell to defeat and here's what I found is the big problem and I hope you'll get this because this is one of the most important things you could ever learn which is why this series is so important for me to give because the metaphor is so powerful the reason the majority of people fall to defeat, the reason the majority of people don't survive spiritually, the reason the majority of people, even those who really desire to know Jesus, don't experience his promises and truly find his life in all of its fullness is because the majority of people are trying to be like Jesus, but they're not training to be like Jesus, and there's a big difference. So many people, I'll, I'll ask them all the time, hey, are you, are you living for Jesus? 
I'm a pastor. It's like a trade thing. I've got to ask, are you living for Jesus? And you know what the majority of people say? Almost everyone I've ever asked that question, are you living for Jesus, answers by saying, I'm, you want to guess? I'm trying to. Stop it. Stop trying to live for Jesus and start training to be like Jesus. There's a very big difference. And let me give you the best example I can come up with. How many of you think that today, if I really wanted it, really cared about it, really desired to do it, I could go run a marathon? I mean, I could just, I, look, try to run a marathon. I'm going to tell you, if I tried to run a marathon today, I'd be dead tomorrow. I mean, it's like, I, I, can, I can buy the right clothing, I can buy the right shoes, and I'm going to tell you, I can look really good in the right clothing and the right shoes. I can look like a guy who can run a marathon. But I can't run a marathon. Because trying is not enough. To run a marathon, what do you have to do? Train. Too many of us don't understand that living for Jesus is far more difficult than running a marathon. We're trying to be like Jesus. We're trying to love like him. We're trying to forgive like him. We're trying to find contentment like him. We're trying to be good like him. We're trying to be holy like him. We will not do it because you cannot live like Jesus by trying. You can only ultimately live like Jesus through training. We've got to be fit. We've got to be in shape. And you might go, whoa, where do you get that in the Bible? Oh, thought you'd never ask. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Train yourself to be godly. Well, what does it say? Train yourself to be... He never said try to be godly. And yet this is the number one answer. You, tr- you living like Jesus? I'm trying. That's not biblical. You will never find in the Bible, try to live like Jesus. And yet that's what most Christians are doing, which is why most Christians fail. The reason so few believers are surviving and living spiritually is because the majority of them, let me get more personal, the majority of us are trying, but we're not training. We need to train to be like Jesus. We need to train to be like God. By the way, do you know why we don't train? Because training isn't easy. You know why we try? Because trying is really easy. Do you realize every time I eat a big meal, I try to go on a diet? It's just the next day I'm off it again. Trying's easy. Training is difficult. But if we're going to ultimately survive in this spiritual zombie apocalypse world we live in, if we're going to survive in the darkness and the difficulty of this world, if we're going to stand when most people fall, We have to train to be godly. Now, to train to be godly requires two things. It it first of all requires resolve. Resolve. Training requires a resolve, a promise to yourself, a promise to God. I'm going to train to be like you. I'm going to train to be spiritually fit. I'm going to train to be in spiritual shape. And it also involves then establishing a routine. 
A resolve's not enough to train. You have to then establish a routine, right? <clears throat> something that changes your behavioral pattern, something that changes what you do, something that helps you to get fit spiritually. Now, there's in the Bible all kinds of examples, and I want to give you a negative example that you can see, and then I want to give you a positive example so that you can decide which one you want to be like. The, the negative example is a guy named Demas. Demas, D-E-M-A-S. And this is a guy that came to faith in Jesus, experienced forgiveness. He, like so many people I've seen come into the spiritual journey and even studied with to go into ministry, he was, he was all in. And he, he became a disciple of the Apostle Paul and started traveling with Paul. And he was mentored by the best of the best. And he was investing and, and making a difference and doing pretty well for a while. But then look what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world, he might as well have said he got run down, he got overcome, and he got eaten alive. Because he wasn't in spiritual shape. He wasn't spiritually fit. He, he, he didn't keep his resolve, and he didn't keep a routine, and so the world won in his life. Demas became what the majority of people become spiritually. A fallen soldier. A failed attempt defeated but Demas isn't the only picture God also gives us pictures of those who succeeded though they're in the minority I want to give you the positive picture of Daniel Daniel is an Old Testament guy who really lived in one of the worst times I mean talk about a world of difficulty and darkness talk about being surrounded by spiritual walking dead I mean he was in a pagan world taken away from anybody who had any sense of God or values and and those who were with him in this dark world from his his home country almost all of them fell away and were defeated like Demas and yet Daniel stood strong Daniel stood for light in a world of darkness. Daniel stood for God in a world of the anti-God. And, and the reason he was successful was because he trained to be godly. He didn't just try to be godly, and, which means he had a resolve and he had a routine. And so you know I'm not making it up. Look at Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. But Daniel, the Bible says, but Daniel did what? You see, I'm not making it up. I mean, this is like in the Bible. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. You just have to understand that God had given some laws about what they should eat and what they shouldn't eat and what that meant. And, and almost everybody was, was breaking God's commands, disobeying, oh, come on, what's it matter what we drink and what we eat? It's no big deal. But God had said it was a big deal. And so Daniel decided, even though most others were falling, he said, I'm resolving now that even if they kill me, I'm not doing it. He would rather die alive in God than live as a zombie in this world. He said, I'm not doing it. I resolve I'm going to be like God wants me to be. And then he didn't just stop with the resolve. He then established a routine. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. I mean, Daniel 6, verses 10 and 13. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, the king of this pagan, terrible world uh, said, you can't pray to anyone but me. <laughs> might have had an ego challenge or something like that but you can't pray to anyone but me and when Daniel learned 
that the decree had been published, look what he did. He went home to his upstairs room where the windows were opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And this next phrase is vital. Just as he had done before. Why after the king outlawed prayer did Daniel keep praying three times a day because he resolved that he was going to be like God in a world of godlessness and he had established a routine where he prayed three times a day to stay connected to God never disconnecting for for long from God three times a day and that routine carried him through when all of his friends were falling to defeat he stood because he had resolved to be like God and he established a routine to be like God. He was spiritually fed. Then they said to the, to the king who passed this law, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Still. He still. They knew that he prayed three times a day before. That's why they got the king to pass this law. And they knew he was still praying three times a day. How did they know? Did you read the passage? The windows were open. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If, if I'm Daniel, after the law's passed, I'm closing the drapes. If I have no drapes, I'm buying some and closing them. And here would be my rationale. God, you can hear through the drapes. They don't need to see it. But you see, he wasn't wanting to hide. He was wanting to live. He wasn't wanting to exist. He wasn't living in fear. He knew that his God was bigger than any small king who needed people to pray to him alone. And he had established a resolve and a routine that made him strong. You know what the problem is today? Do you know why so few people are truly experiencing God's promises, living out God's best? Do you know why we have so many Demases and so few Daniels? It's because we have so few people who've resolved to train to be like God and have a routine that allows them to train to be like God and gets them spiritually fit. I mean, we think we're doing an amazing thing if we come to church once in a while. Oh my gosh, can't believe it. Gonna go listen to that dude again, fight the traffic? Oh, probably be late to Max and Irma's. We're not spiritually fit, which is why we fall to defeat. But it takes something to resolve ourselves. If we're going to truly resolve to be like Daniel instead of Demas, to, to be spiritually healthy and fit, to train to be godly, do you know what it demands? It demands a little bit of hunger and thirst to know God. I mean, it, it, just, it demands that we want it. It demands that, that we see the positive desire, the positive outcome of knowing God, and we don't just see it as negative drudgery. But the truth is most people see spiritual training as drudgery. You know why so few people come to church on a regular basis and are excited about it? Because it's like, oh my gosh, I got to go there again. You know? You know why so few people read the Bible on daily? Because they see it as a spiritual drudgery. You know why so few people pray diligently on a daily basis? Because they see it as a drudgery. You will never resolve to do something as long as you see it as a negative drudgery. You have to develop a positive desire. And most people don't have a positive desire to spend time with God.
I'll give you a great example. I have, I have never run a marathon. I have never resolved to run a marathon. And I have never resolved to train to run a marathon. Do you know why? I don't care about running a marathon. No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to be mean. I, I deeply respect, and I'll say something about this in a minute. For those of you who run marathon, I think that's awesome. There's nothing inside of me that thinks my life will be better if I go through the living hell of running 26.2 miles. I believe this so strongly that one of the things I'm most proud of in my life is a bumper sticker I have on my car that says 0.0. <laughs> I've never resolved to run a marathon. Because I, have, I, I see the entire process of getting ready to run 26.2 miles as a negative drudgery, and I see the 26.2 miles as a negative drudgery, and I see no joy at the end. I see only misery at the end. Why would I do this? But some of you have run marathons and half marathons, and I have psychologists and psychiatrists that I can get you with if you need it, but what... What you've done is you, you've seen beyond the negative drudgery that I'm locked into to a positive desire. There's something in you that's made you want to do it. And some of you, it's about the running. But the truth is we have a ton of people here at Northridge who run half marathons and marathons and have resolved to train and do all of this different stuff. Not because they love running so much, but because they see... That through running, they can make a huge difference in the life of people who are hurting around the world. And this year, in fact, I, I don't know if you know this, but we've, this year's, our Ridge Runners are doing Love Runs. Love Runs, which is really cool. And these are, these are people, and some of you haven't yet signed up, but are thinking about it and praying about it. And, and it's not about the marathon so much. It's about, wow, we're running to help people who have been caught in human trafficking get free from that and to really show God's love in this world, which is so awesome. And, and the reason many of you are training, you've resolved to train to run the marathon, is because you've said, I have a positive desire to make a difference in the world, and we can do it by running, and I'm resolving to do that. And I am so proud of you. I think it's so amazing, but it starts with a resolve. The same is true spiritually. The reason many of us have not resolved to train to be godly is because we've never gotten past the negative drudgery. We have to get to the place where we have a positive desire and understanding, knowing God's the most important thing we can do, and standing for him is the most important thing we can do. Look at how the psalmist says it in, in Psalm 63, verse 1. O oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. This person's saying, God's everything to me. And so he's going to be the one I seek first and the one I seek early because I hunger for him more and thirst for him more than anything else in my life. And so I am going to resolve to be with him. Early will I seek you. Early will I seek you. That's a resolve. Look at Isaiah 26, 9. With my soul, God, I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. He's resolving to seek him early. Why? Because he's saying, even when I'm on my bed at night, I long to know you. I long to be with you. And so the first thing I'm going to do when I get up is spend time with you. He, he's resolving, the psalmist is. 
And you will never train to be godly. You will never ultimately make it the long haul until you have a positive desire to know God that leads you to resolve to do it. And you know what I know? And I've been a, four decades a believer and three decades a senior pastor. And you know what I know? The vast majority of us have never gotten to the place where we resolve, which is why the vast majority of us will, all things being equal, get run down, overcome, and eaten alive. But it doesn't have to be that way. And then once we do resolve to train to be godly, then we have to establish a routine. A routine. A a, a routine, whereas a resolve demands a positive desire, a, a, a sense that it's the thing I need the most. The routine demands that we know what to do. And God's given us all kinds of things that we can establish as a routine in our life that will allow us to become spiritually fit, to train to be godly. And I'd like to call these routine things um, spiritual exercises. Why not? Since we're supposed to train to be godly, we should spiritually exercise. Or you can call them an older term, spiritual disciplines. Which simply means if you are going to ultimately be strong spiritually, then you have to develop a routine where you're working out spiritually. And these spiritual exercises are things that we purposely choose to do or not do in our lives that will help us to grow stronger and stronger and stronger in our spiritual lives. They're a form of spiritual training. So let me read 1 Corinthians 9.27 again to you only in a different translation, the New Living Translation. Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. He's saying, I discipline my spiritual life like an athlete disciplines their physical life, training it to do what it should do. And I do this. I I literally train my spiritual life like an athlete trains his physical body because I fear that after proclaiming truth to others, I myself will be defeated, will be disqualified. Now, so far, I've given you the picture of Demas and Daniel, right? Demas, defeated. Daniel, made it. But that's, you know, Demas defeated, Daniel made it. And a lot of us identify more with Demas than Daniel. I know I do. I, I know what it's like to fail, don't you? And so it's like, wow, Daniel's a great man of God. We won't be that. So Demas is our choice. But that's not true. Because God's also given us a picture of people who were Demases and failed dramatically in their life when they weren't spiritually fit, but they became spiritually fit. They resolved and established a routine of godliness training that made them turn from failures to people who stood. That's what I want to be. I want to be someone who's gone from weak and failing to someone who's strong and can stand, and that's what I long for you. And you know who's the picture of that? The disciples of Jesus. The, the initial followers of Jesus were, were all Demases. Judas betrayed Jesus and then he, he, you know, committed suicide. I mean, he was so grieved about it. He, he just messed up forever. But, but the other 11 all failed Jesus. They were Demases. They, they loved their own life and comfort enough that when Jesus was being betrayed and taken to a cross, they all fled. And Peter actually denied Jesus three times. Why did they fall to defeat like that, living in a dark and difficult world? Why did they fall to defeat? Because they weren't in spiritual shape. They 
They hadn't trained. They were trying. Man, Peter was trying to be like Jesus. Trying to be everything Jesus wanted. I love you. I'll live for you. I'll die for you. I'll stand for you. He, man, he, he had the desire and he was trying, trying, trying. But you know what he did? He fell, fell, fell. And you know why he fell? Jesus tells us. Jesus looked right at Peter and said, buddy, you're, you're going to fall, man. Satan's going to take you down. You're going to be run down, overcome, and, and eaten alive unless you start watching and praying, unless you start training yourself to be godly because you don't have the strength and stamina right now to stand up. And so you know what Peter did? Peter said, thanks. I appreciate that good word, Jesus. And then he went to sleep because he thought he had it. But he fell big. But Peter learned he said, I don't want to be a Demas again. And so he even tells us, you need to be awake. You need to be sober. You need to listen. You need to be aware. Don't do what I did. Because Satan's roaming about trying to take you down. He's trying to deceive you. He's trying to, he's trying to eat you alive. And so you need to be aware. And you know what Peter did? He started training for God. He resolved to be like God. And he established a routine that, where he was adding to his faith. And he writes all about it in many of his writings. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's what we have to do. We have to go from spiritually unfit to spiritually fit and the only way we get there is through training can I ask you a question which describes you trying or training which describes you Peter who fell or Peter who stood which describes you Demas or Daniel it all boils down to training and my heart for you is for you not to experience what so many I've watched experience have everything Jesus promises you right in your grip and to fall to defeat simply because you try but don't train. And so you have this resolve and then you establish a routine. But if we're going to establish a routine to train, we need to know what that looks like. And so I'll just share it with you in general ways. There are basically two categories of spiritual exercises that we should be doing in our life. If you're resolved to, to train to be spiritually fit, if you're resolved to build a routine that can help you become fit, then you need to know there are basically two categories of spiritual exercises. I'll start with the, the negative side. There are these exercises of subtraction. Uh, spiritual disciplines of abstinence, you could call them, or spiritual exercises of subtraction, where you're intentionally building a routine of eliminating things from your life that hold you back from knowing God. And, and you need to know that the reason so many people fall to defeat is the same reason Demas did. Demas desired to live like Jesus. G Demas was trying to live like Jesus, but Demas forsook Jesus for love of this present world, there's stuff all around you that can take you down unless you purposely discipline yourself to subtract it from your life. Now, a great example of this is found in 1 Timothy 4, 7, where it says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Do you know that word train comes from the Greek word gumnazo? All of you knew that, right? I mean, I'm not telling you anything new comes from the word gumnazo. Can, do you recognize that word from an English word, gumnazo? Gymnasium. Train yourself to be godly, gymnasium. That makes sense to you, right? Gumnazo, that's where it comes from. But, but, but it doesn't mean a building with a basketball court in it. Gumnazo literally meant naked. Naked. That's what gumnazo meant. 
Now that's weird, isn't it? But you need to remember that Olympic athletes back then competed naked, which is why it was so popular. And I mean, this is how they started. And why did they compete with no clothes on? Because they didn't have Nike building lightweight clothing and lightweight shoes. And so they were eliminating all the encumbrances, everything that would hold them back from being at their best. And so they they competed with no clothes on. And if we are going to grow spiritually, trained to be godly, then we, like them, need to discipline ourselves to subtract from our lives, anything that could keep us from becoming stronger spiritually. We need to subtract from our lives anything that could hold us back. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot that can hold us back. First Peter 2.11, Peter once again, who learned to get in spiritual shape, said, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, you're citizens of God's kingdom, not this world's kingdom anymore. I urge you to abstain disciplines of abstinence, exercises of, of subtraction. I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. And you know the truth is most people don't abstain. Most people don't exercise with subtraction. They just keep letting all this stuff be a part of their lives and what's going to happen Demas has forsaken me for love of this present world. They fall to defeat. But you need to know this involves these exercises of subtraction. They, they involve more than the discipline of just eliminating the really bad stuff. I mean, obviously, if you're a big fat liar, you should stop lying, right? I mean, that's just the way that is. But, but did you know there are some things that aren't absolutely wrong that are keeping you from becoming more like Jesus? And there are exercises that we can do spiritually. For example, I'm, I'm the kind of person that, I, I'm kind of a, a people person. Now, I, I deal a lot with people because of my ministry and, and, and that. And so there are times I, you know, want to get away. But the truth is I love being with people. What's come most naturally to me, it's a part of my everyday world as the pastor here. And so if I'm ever going to hear from God, do you know what I need to do? I need to pull away from people and I need to get some solitude. I need to get some silence if I'm going to hear from God. Because I can have constant noise in my life. And so you might not know this, but I try to about once a quarter pull away for at least five days where I am absolutely alone with God. Where I might have a chance of hearing his voice, where I might have a chance of getting his wisdom, where I might have a chance of knowing what maybe he wants me to talk about to help people like you. And, and it takes solitude and silence. And you know what I've noticed about most of us? You know why most of us fall? Some of us literally have no point in our lives where we're not filling our heads with noise. Some of you have TVs on or radios on or iPods on or earbuds in something. You always have to be filling your head with noise. This, I promise you, you won't hear from God as long as you're shutting him out. The discipline of solitude and silence is important. In the Bible, there's this discipline. Thank you. Wow. Um, 
There's this. <laughs> hey, Brighton, were you clapping just now? Because Plymouth was. Ah, who's more spiritual here? I don't know. Uh, but here, here's the thing. There's more uh, discipline of subtraction. There's, there's also fasting. Now, in the Bible, it was usually where you set aside food, which was a physical priority, for prayer, which was a spiritual priority. You're basically saying, this issue is so important to me spiritually that I'm not even going to eat in order to you know, seek God this way. But, but you can fast with a lot of things. You can fast with TV. You can fast with radio. You can fast with entertainment. You can fast with sports. You can fast from these things in order to concentrate on spiritual. And if we are going to grow spiritually, once we resolve to train, we have to train by eliminating things that are holding us back. Sometimes we have to sacrifice. I believe one of the great disciplines of sacrifice, of, of, of abstaining, is secrecy. We Americans like to be recognized for what we do. And so if we do something for someone and people don't see it, you know what we tend to do? Hey, you know what I did? And I have a problem. I, my whole ministry's lived in front of people. And so I get up on the stage and I give a talk and, and sometimes people say, you did a good job. A lot of times they give me the finger and say they hate my guts. But I mean, I, generally, I get some affirmation. And so I have found that I have to purposely seek to do some things that no one knows I'm doing but God. Because then I'm not doing it for the wrong reasons. Do you see this discipline thing? If I resolve to be God, I have to start training to be godly. Disciplines of, of subtraction. But there are also disciplines of engagement. Spiritual exercises of addition where we're doing some things, not, not doing things, but adding some things to our lives that will help us grow. Look at 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow. 1 Peter 2.2. 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, which is talking about God's word, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. We're supposed to be growing, but you're not going to grow if you're not exercising. And that's what it takes. And, and so disciplines of, or exercises of engagement, of of addition, <clears throat> these are things like you should start reading the Bible on your own. So, some people, you know, they they only hear the Bible read when someone like me is reading it. That's craziness. You got to get your own. Read it. But just so you know, that's not that's not the best of exercise. I mean, it's important. But you know, the Bible says you, you need to discipline. You want to be like God, you want to train to be godly. You should go beyond reading to actually studying God's word. For those of you who weren't good in school, studying's different than reading. Just a thought. I don't know. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Discipline yourself to rightly divide the word of truth, to correctly handle it so that you're not ashamed in the end. Study to show yourself approved. You, you should do the discipline of exercising, of, of getting into the spiritual gym and, and working through God's truth. There's another positive exercise we could do to grow, and it's like the discipline of worship. Now, a lot of you go, yeah, I do that. I, I come to church, and you guys, you know, play the guitar and sing a song, and whoo, love that worship stuff. That's, nah, that can be a vehicle for worship, but that's not what worship is. You, you know, worship is when you elevate God in your life to his rightful place. Worship's when you say, you're my God and holy is your name. 
you acknowledge and praise him for being the one who's in control, not you, the one who's able, not you, the one who provides, not you, the one whose timing is perfect, not yours, the one who knows best for you, not you. You worship him. And I have to discipline myself to worship because quite often I can not. And so I have to set aside some time when I purposely, intentionally put him at the right place in my life, above me, Lord. And then sometimes I add music where I'll listen to worship music that's relevant to me and I'll let that music transport me into a place where I'm just emotionally experiencing the whole deal of putting him first. Here's what I've learned. I can't worship with thousands if I'm not worshiping alone. When I worship alone, then when I come in with thousands, I still know the one that I'm worshiping, but when I don't worship alone, when I come in with thousands, I'm thinking about the thousands. It's entertainment, it's not worship. And we need to discipline ourselves to worship him. It's an exercise. Train yourself to be godly. Daniel stood when the king of his land said he'd die if he stood for God. But Daniel was able to do that because every day he worshiped God and he realized his God was bigger than that king. Do you know why so many of us bow down to our employers and bow down to culture and bow down to our peers and allow them to eat us alive spiritually? It's because we see this world and its opinion of us as bigger than our God because we're not disciplining ourselves to worship. We need to train ourselves to be godly. This is important. If we're going to truly stand like Daniel did instead of falling like Demas did, then we have, to, we have to exercise. We have to serve others instead of just serving ourselves. We have to pray like Daniel did. We have, some of you aren't so into people, and so solitude is where you live. Well, you need to do the discipline of getting with other people. The reason we have small groups around here is because you will never become the person of God you need to become all by yourself. I mean, you need spiritual accountability, and we'll talk about that later in this series. And confession is a good one. You know, you know it, it comes natural for me in this world? Hiding my faults, hiding my problems, hiding my sins and failures. Doesn't that come naturally for you, or do you kind of live that wide open normally? No, yeah, you hide it. Do you know what a spiritual exercise is? Confessing that to God. Say, God, I'm not going to hide from you. I'm not going to pretend you don't see this. You know how broken I am. And you know what he says? If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And it's a spiritual exercise. Submission. Very often we only do what we want to do, but we should exercise spiritually by submitting to what God wants us to do. And here's what you need to know. When we resolve to train to be like God and then we establish a routine of subtraction and addition, these disciplines work. We grow spiritually if we work them. And here's what I found. If a discipline, if an exercise, spiritual exercise is difficult for you, then that's probably the one that you should concentrate on. Many of us only do the exercises that are easy. And I can pull this over. I make a lot of fun about working out and everything. But the truth is, I go through seasons where I'm not doing a great job in my working out. But, but generally speaking, I try and be pretty consistent at, at, at working out and staying healthy physically. And, and here's what I found. I like doing the exercises that I'm good at. Like, I'm, I'm decent at pull-ups, you know? Yeah, it's awesome. 
I like to go work out with people who weigh 400 pounds because I can do more pull-ups than them. It's great. It's, you know, it's like, I, but, but I don't like to lift weights with people who weigh 400 pounds because it shows how weak I am, right? And so, and my worst exercise period in the gym, my worst exercise is the overhead press. Oh, I'm really bad. I, it's like, I can't even lift the bar. Forget about putting weights on. It's like, I'm horrible at it. And so you know what I do? I avoid it. But if I'm going to be truly physically healthy, what do I have to do? I have to do the exercises that I'm weak at. When was the last time you focused on exercising spiritually in an area you were weak? This is why we fall. This is why we fail. It's because we're not growing. We're not training. And I encourage you, train but this is how I end if we're going to stay on our resolve and stay in a routine that will allow us to stand like Daniel instead of falling like Demas if we're going to do it we need to we need to engage the foundational requirement for it and it's one word the foundational requirement for keeping your resolve and staying in your routine spiritually the foundational requirement is discipline discipline look at proverbs 25 28 like a city whose walls are broken down a city that's defenseless and the enemy's winning like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks what self-control doesn't that kind of describe our world like a city whose walls are broken down doesn't that kind of describe most churches doesn't that describe most of us yeah. And why are we there? Because of a lack of self-control. Because we don't have discipline. And you know why we don't have discipline? I hope you'll listen to this because many of you are trying really hard, but that's not going to get you there. You've got to train. And the reason you don't train is because you're not exercising discipline. And the reason you don't exercise discipline, get this, is because you follow your feelings instead of establishing your will. If you're waiting until you feel like growing spiritually, it's over for you. The walking dead are going to eat you alive. You have to decide that you're going to act according to your will instead of following your feelings. This is what Joshua told all the people of God. The people of God back then were just like us. The majority weren't living for God. The majority were messing up. They were trying, but they weren't training. And Joshua looked at them and says, man, you've got to act according to your will instead of your feelings. And he said this in Joshua 24, 15. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. No options. Have you made that choice? And if we're going to ultimately stay in the resolve and stay in the routine through discipline, then once we say, I'm going to go with will instead of feeling, we have to always keep the end in mind. Always keep the end in mind. Look at what Paul says, Galatians 6, 9. Don't become weary in doing good. Don't give up because it's hard right now. For at the proper time, you're going to reap an unbelievable harvest from God. If you don't give up, keep the end in mind because, listen... Those of you in Brighton, those of you here in Plymouth, those of you watching online, I'm going to tell you right now. It is not easy to keep training to be like God. It is not easy to be a Daniel. It is not easy. And none of us will make it 
unless we get to the place where we always keep the end in mind. Because one day, every single one of us is going to stand before Jesus, and that day, only one thing will matter, his applause. And most people will not hear his applause because most people won't have been looking for his applause. They'll have been seeking the applause of the people around them. And let me just tell you now, Demas sought the applause, the applause of the people around him, and I don't want to be like him. Daniel sought the applause of God. I want to be like him. Let's seek the right applause. Let's discipline ourselves. Let's resolve to fulfill a routine, routine which makes us more like Jesus because when we do, we'll experience his promises. Life and life to the full. Just before we leave, I want to pray with you. Would you just bow with me in a word of prayer just in this moment? For those of you in Plymouth and those of you in Brighton right now, I want you to know I know God's working in your life in some way. And some of you have never trusted Jesus. You've never even started a relationship with him. And I want you to know that's the most important thing you can do because you can't grow spiritually until you've been born spiritually. And, and here's the opportunity this weekend. We have a prayer team and they're down front in all of our campuses. And so when I say amen and dismiss you all you have to do if you'd like to have a conversation about knowing Jesus or some other spiritual conversation or you'd like someone to pray with you all you have to do is when everyone else is leaving you just come forward and sit in the front of the auditorium and the prayer team will come they'd love to answer any questions you have spend time with you for the rest of you my prayer is that you won't be run down overcome and eaten alive but you'll stand because you're committing right now to be in shape spiritually you won't regret it. Father in heaven, I pray for each person here. Help us to survive this spiritual zombie apocalypse that we're in. Overcome the difficulty in darkness by being spiritually strong, spiritually healthy, and spiritually fit. And I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next time.